and we are live. Greetings to our loyal WFYL listeners around the world. Welcome back to your Philadelphia live stream, only on the Freedom Station. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in once again, because you still have the right to hear and the right to be heard. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Mike G. Always with me are Philly Chris, Russ the producer, and Liberty Lee. And you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters. And you can listen to our program every Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern, only on the Freedom Station, WFYL. So let's be heard. I want to remind our listeners that you can participate in the free and open exchange of thoughts and ideas throughout the entire week by visiting Mike G in the morning. Dot com. What's it called, New Hampshire, Chris? MikeGInTheMorning.com. How about you, Russ? MikeGInTheMorning.com. Liberty? MikeGInTheMorning.com. Special guest, Chris Flail, famous comedian from California. What's it called? MikeGInTheMorning.com. That is correct, sir. You can check out all the shenanigans that Mike G and Philly Chris are up to throughout the entire week. Check out our social media profiles. Don't forget to like this video and subscribe to our channel. So tell your friends, tell your family, tell your barber, tell your Uncle Jerry, tell anybody who listens. So check us out at MikeGInTheMorning.com. I also want to remind our listeners about the powerhouse lineup we've got here at The Freedom Station. Kick off your mornings with Scott Adams. Bring you The Scott Adams Show weekdays from 9 a.m. until 11 We've got Dan the Man Bongino. Bring you the Dan Bongino Show weekdays from noon until 3 p.m. We've got the headliner, intellectual giant Ben Shapiro. Bring you the Ben Shapiro Show weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And finally, we love having him at the Freedom Station family. We've got Michael Knowles. Bring you the Michael Knowles Show weekdays from 5 to 6 p.m. So don't forget to tune in and show him some love. And with that, you know what time it is. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Hit it, Russ. You know what time it is. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. We've got a very special guest joining us on the Mike G in the Morning program today. We've got Chris Flail, world-famous comedian out of California. He's what we call a repeat offender on this program at this point in time. Chris, thank you so much for coming back. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm all juiced up, Mike. I'm ready to run through this brick wall after hearing your, your opening. Here. <laughs> <laughs> it looks extra sturdy behind you. That brick wall looks extra sturdy. Is that, looks pretty I don't legit. know if you're going to make it. You might get hurt. So you've been on the program a couple of times. We had such a great time with you the last couple of times that we wanted to bring you back and really have more of a long-form discussion now that you've got time and find out uh, how you really got to where you are today. But first, I want to ask you, what have you been up to since the last time we spoke to you? Ton since the last time. So last time we spoke, I think was about two months ago. I was driving to a gig I was doing in a swanky LA suburb where I was performing for a bunch of doctors and lawyers outside in about 50 degrees. Uh, so I was cutting out yeah. a whole bunch. And since then, uh, we've moved from Los Angeles back to the heartland of Bakersfield, California. Uh, so we, we just uh, bought a house. We're between houses right now. Which is why you see the brick wall behind me because we're uh, we're currently shacking up at the in-laws while we're between homes. Nice. Uh, so yeah, yeah. And so their home made entirely of bricks. Out of town throughout the weekend. Yeah, that's right. You got to have some jokes about that, Chris. Oh, we we're gonna we're getting there. We're gonna have a new twenty minutes by the time this stay is over. <laughs> so the good thing is, Nike. Good thing is we've got. We'll have within about a month. We'll have new studio for sketches and podcasts and. All those things, and hopefully, I can have you all join join uh, join one of my broadcasts one day. Not quite 
not quite the global audience, but hey, we we swing hard and we try our best. Oh, uh, you got uh, quite the audience in your own right, my friend. Yeah. I saw that you recently worked with Theo Vaughn. Is that true? The Rat yeah. King himself? We yeah, the Rat the Rat King himself. Yeah, a little, a little while ago, we <laughs> we're lucky here to have a bunch of people come through town. So we've had we've had a bunch of big names come through, and every now and then I get to weasel my way on the show. And I actually he's a he's a super nice guy. He came in with the title belt. He did meet and greets with his uh, fans. We did two shows together. He did meet and greets with both sets of fans. And it was, you know, at, now he's doing theaters of a few thousand people, but then yeah. it was a few hundred people per show. Meet and greet pictures, talk with everybody. And it was the week he had just quit smoking cigarettes too. So you can't, it's, it's never more ornery time in, in a smoker's life from what I understand. <laughs> Still a pleasant guy yeah. to be around. And after the show, it's funny, it's like, any anytime somebody finds out that I spent the night working with him, they ask if he's the real deal, if he's that guy that he seems like on um, on all of his shows. And I'll pull it up really quickly and just read. He sent me a text message afterwards, a couple of text messages. I'll give you the times of these oh, text messages, and I'll tell you what he said. <laughs> Most Theo Vaughn thing you've ever read in your life. So this was <laughs> these these texts were from twelve thirty one a.m. to twelve thirty two a.m. over a span of about sixty seconds. <laughs> text one, text one. Hey bud. Text two. Did I leave my wallet there? Text three. Text three. It's like a little thing with my cards in it. It's like I know what a wallet is. Yeah. <laughs> Text four. Text four, maybe. text four, maybe in the office. Text five, never mind. I found it. That was seconds. Nice. And then he sent me two pictures of. Oh, that is great. So he's the real deal, that guy. He's a I, I like describe to you what a wallet looks like. In case you're unfamiliar with the concept of a wallet, here's what the wallet is yes, all it, about, right? It, 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 it wallet may have a, a, little, you know, a card in there. It says driver's license at the top with, the, with my name on it. Right. Unreal. That is great. That is great. Now, who else, if you had to talk about your hit list of, of people you're proud of being able to have worked with, uh, who would come to mind just so our audience is familiar? Yeah. Best best two I ever worked with. The first one was Dave Attell. Um, and it was so, uh, it was one of those where I did everything wrong when I met him you could possibly do because it was such a freak out. For, uh, one of the first comedy specials I ever saw was Dave Attell on, on Comedy Central. Um, and then I'm working with the guy. So you feel like your television is talking to you. And so I was just so strange and uncomfortable the whole time. But he was, he's a really nice guy. And he kind of, really? it seems like he kind of knows that the, that the, you know, local openers kind of freaking out to meet, you know, comedy Jesus. Cause he came up to me, he came up to me after the show. He's like, Hey, you're like, Hey Chris, you know, I got, I kind of like to take a picture with, with the whole, all the comics on the, do you mind if we take a picture together? And I'm like, like he took it out of, he took it out of my hands to have to ask him if we would do it. Right. That's cool though. That's right. What a guy. What a guy. That's awesome. That's great. Right. And then the other one that was my favorite was Nick Swartzen. Uh, we got to do three shows together over two nights. And the second night, he like he listened to my act and he like he was very complimentary. And then he gave me he gave me a tag for one of my jokes, a closing joke that I like to do. And I didn't even really understand what he was saying until a week or two later. And I was like, ooh, and I put that in my act. And now that's the closer of it. So I got yeah. so he's the one that gave me the thing that I like to uh, that I like to close my act. That was really cool. Very cool. Wow. So doing something like that is giving you the end of the joke. He doesn't come back some other time and be like, oh, you stole that from me. I, you took it from me. He doesn't do that, does he? <laughs> yeah. I want 15 cents every time you do that. 
Another <laughs> one too. That because you hear about this a lot these days, right? That there are joke thieves out there. Oh, big time. And it's easier now than ever because with the Instagram real culture, you just need 40 seconds of a clip and you're off and rolling. So people are just taking kind of base level yeah, jokes, yeah. borrowing each other's stuff where you borrow a premise and change it that much. And I mean, when I was living in LA, it was, it was part of the yeah. reason that part of the reason that I've shifted away is because I just didn't, I didn't really fit the LA scheme, which is probably why we get along so much. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't exactly fit the heard, LA scheme and I would be, there were times that I would be at shows or I'd be at open mics and I would try a new bit and there'd be a guy that was in the room that would come after to come up to me afterwards. It's like, Oh, I really like that bit. And then three or four days later, I would see him post a clip. Oh, really? Doing a version of that bit. Yeah. Hustling. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, this is... Would you ever, like, send a message or anything? Is one of them, one of them, I, I, I caught up with them. Oh, nice. nice. <laughs> one of them, I caught up with them when we had... Where, where did that go like? Yeah, it was uncomfortable. Oh, it was uncomfortable. what was it like? Yeah. I, I got him. What, what I got him after. So what would you say to him? I, I think I recognize I recognize that bit that you I recognize that bit you did that you did. You you remember you no. saw me last Monday do that here. <laughs> that was his memory. It's a no. Is it? Know, that was his. Here's the thing I've learned, Mikey, is that East Coast aggressiveness is not appreciated everywhere because yeah. <laughs> it was a it was a short term win, but it was also a good way to not get booked by anybody in that room ever again. <laughs> so, yeah, a little I guess smart. it's sort of flattery. It's sort of it's, okay. It's sort we'll of a compliment. Time. Yeah, but worth it. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Chris, maybe you're not telling the story right. I because the one the version that I heard was you went over to him and you said, you know, I was a uh, as joke sounded familiar. You know, maybe you, you heard me tell that joke before. Well, if you do it again, I'm gonna break your legs. Is what you said to him, right? That's <laughs> yeah. what you said. That's what you really said. That's that. what really happened. <laughs> yeah, you can yeah, be yourself on the air. Is that yeah, really what? I hit, That's what I heard. It, I hit him with the Christopher Walken. You do it again, I'll stab you in the face with a soldering iron. <laughs> Mike does a pretty good Christopher Walken, you know. I, I think he does. Yeah, oh, you ever hear? Wow. Should I, do some I, of that. I do know such. Yeah. I, I, I do know such for <laughs> So, Chris, let's go back to. Uh, yeah, I'm got all the Chris's here. We got we got uh, Chris Flail, we got Philly Chris, and we've got Christopher Walken. Right. That's right. <laughs> Too many Chris's all over the place. The gang's all so. <laughs> the gang's all here. So, Chris, you know. We talked a little bit about being an East Coast guy and everything like that. You've got origins in Pennsylvania. Could you tell us a little bit, our audience, a little bit about where you grew up? Yeah, sure. Grew up, born and raised in Pennsylvania. So I, I grew up, uh, I like to tell people away from Pennsylvania that I'm from Philly unless you're from Philly and then I'm from a whole other place. Philly <laughs> nice. Chris is from a whole other place. <laughs> That's right. It's about two hours. Well, our listener base hours. is in Philly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you told somebody who listens to our program over the airwaves that you're from Philly and then I'm it came man. out that you're from Schuylkill County, you'd be like, what is this guy talking? What's, right, right. What's this fraud? But the problem <laughs> is. Something severely I, wrong with this battle. Yeah, definitely. Is, the problem yeah. is when I'm anywhere else, I say, I'm from Schuylkill County. And they say, where is that? And I say, it's two hours north of Philly. And they go, oh, cool. You're from Philly. And I go, no, no. no. <laughs> Please don't say that. Definitely not Philly. Yeah, so two hours north of Philly, small uh, coal mining town with a coal left in the 19 teens and nothing really took its place. So my hometown was literally one square mile. Uh, I believe it's about 2,000 people in population. Uh, grew up, you know, we row homes. It's kind of the whole coal town deal. Uh, went there, 
And then when I was in my 20s, briefly, I moved to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, went to law school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where Mike and I met each other. Uh, and I and that's when I mm-hmm. my third year of law school, they had a comedy club in Tulsa called the Looney Bin. That was the first time before that I'd never even seen live comedy. Um, I had only seen it on Comedy Central. So it was the first time I saw a real live comedy. And it was the first time I saw Road Axe too, which is like, instead of seeing your David Tells, it's just, you know, it's some dude who lives in San Antonio and he does, he does Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas, that kind of whole circuit. So I saw that and they had an open mic there and there, and I believe it was Tuesday nights. Um, and so I saw a couple of road acts. I was like, I could do that. And then yeah, I yeah. went and did the open mic and was absolutely terrified. <laughs> do you have a recording of it, Chris? Uh, I, mm-hmm. I used to, but it was on Google drive and it got wiped away. But it Philly, Chris, it's so funny you ask because I tell new comics when they start, when they're nervous, I say, you're so far ahead of me because for the first four months of comedy, I was afraid to touch the microphone. I was afraid to move the microphone stand. Cause I was like, there's oh, no okay. way, there's no way. I'm going to get it back where I put it if I take it away. <laughs> Don't even I touch the mic. Yeah. I would take the microphone out of the stand and then I would put my arm on the stand to kind of make myself look cool, like gotcha. I was rested and relaxed. But the second time I ever did it, the microphone stand was kind of loosened up. So when I put my arm on it, 30 seconds into my first joke, I leaned on it and it went down about five inches. Oh, no way. Like your worst nightmare. And so by the, uh, by the end of my set, uh, uh, by the end of my set, the microphone stand was was about at the was about at the middle of my thigh, and I had no idea how to fix that. So I'm just, <laughs> there's there's video of me there's video of me at the end of my set trying to pick it back up, and then I just I look off camera at the host and I go, "Oh man, you yes. that Eddie Murphy there when Michael yeah. Jackson asked Eddie Murphy to adjust the mic? Did you guys ever see that? No. Oh, we, we should play that on the show sometime. No. Michael Jackson's it's, like, Eddie, can you adjust the mic stand? Yeah, probably. And then Eddie started doing it. And then he's mm-hmm. like, why am I doing this? Well, because Michael Jackson told me to do this. And- <laughs> yeah. I, I needed an Eddie Murphy at that moment. Right. For, multiple, for a multitude of reasons. The least of which was the microphones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was, so, you know, I remember the time that we went to come see you, the opening act, the road guy, so to speak, said something sure. along the lines of his opening joke was... Uh, I got some advice for everybody who started off here and that's quit. And we thought that to me and you guys weren't any good. So I'm ready to go on there and drag the guy off by his hair. And as time goes on, I think you've said you believe that what he did mean was, hey, this is not the life that you want. Well, yeah, it was a fair yeah, warning. Be careful he getting was, into he, this he stuff. Doing, yeah, 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 fair warning. He, he wanted us the favor to say. Yeah. He wasn't saying quit, saying you're not going to do this. He was saying, quit saying, don't, hey, don't be like me, kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm worried. Yeah, but it didn't come off the right way. It's it's a, a it's a good example of how when you're out there telling jokes, being off by one little bit can have a completely different meaning to yeah. your right? You don't understand. Hey, you got to be an effective communicator comedian, right? Oh, yeah. Speaking of yeah, getting yeah. one word off. Timing and everything. My, my second show after I moved to Bakersfield, I should say my second open mic was at this place where allegedly multiple people were shot and killed in the parking lot. Allegedly. It's no longer in business, but it was a night. They weren't funny or? They, well, this was, so it was a nightclub attached to a bowling alley. If you went to the bowling alley, it was in a rough part of town. If you went to the bowling alley, you had to go through two metal detectors and get a security pat down, uh, before you even got into the bowling. Wow. 
next attached to the bowling alley was a nightclub where if you went into the nightclub, you just walked in and did whatever you mm, okay. And at the back of the nightclub was a door that opened up directly into the bowling. So <laughs> top security. Yes, that's right. It was a bowling alley for sheep where wolves were let in the back door, basically. And so my second time doing stand up there, I I I I zigged when I should have zagged. And before that I spoke for about five minutes about being from Pennsylvania. And when I zigged instead of zagging, fifteen men got up, walked outside, and circled my vehicle, which still had Pennsylvania license plates on it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's that's always oh, exciting. Great. Great. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's go back to Pennsylvania. What was the town like? You said it was real small. What was it like growing up there? Were you near was- Centralia where the ground is on fire? Very close to there. Okay. That's Very still cool. going on, right? Like the earth is, the ground's on fire up there. Yeah. Right? It just, yeah, it just smokes. I think it's like mine fires below the surface or something Crazy. like that. Crazy, right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's yeah. really close, a few miles away. Um, I would not take back the upbringing for the world. I'm glad I grew up there. Um, I'm glad I moved out. So it's the kind of town, It's it was a tough town too. It's the kind of town where um, you learn very early that being right is not always enough. <laughs> and I joke around with people and I say, like, if you, even to this day, probably, if you go to my hometown and you go, um, and you go out to the bar, there's like two bars or three bars in town. If you pick a bar and you go out to it five nights in a row, sometime between the first night and the fifth night, when you walk in, there's going to be at least one guy in there that decides it's your turn. Mm-hmm. That he's going to look at you a certain way when you walk in. And you either have one drink and you leave, or you stay for a second, and you're probably going to have to fight your way out. It's just that kind of, it's a huge illustration. We should a- meet for a drink up there sometime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. set it up. So, but like, I'm like already there. Is- you know, you're talking about going to the bars and, and having a drink and everything. Like, was yeah. it like that when you were younger in school? Were there a lot of fights and things like that? Oh, yeah. We have uh, Vine Street Park. It was right behind the school where every day there was like a main event where two kids were going to fight each other. Uh, oh, wow. Especially when kids got older, it got a little bit different. But our, our high school was 7 through 12. So I was, you know, I leave sixth grade. I'm a May baby. So I'm 12 years old for the entire school year. And I'm sharing a locker room with grown men who know my older brother who goes to a rival school and want to take it out on me. So <laughs> very, very good. Your, your brother yeah. didn't go to the same school? He did not. He went to a Catholic school a few miles away that was a rival school to ours. He went to Cardinal Brennan, which is not, it's not in existence anymore, but it was like a big, it was like a big crosstown rival. Like football rivalry or? Big football rivalry and just town rivalry. It's different now because of social media, but back then, it's hard to explain. It doesn't even sound like it was real. But like I said, my town is two thousand people. There's a town nearby. It's called Ashland. That's two to three, four thousand people. Brackhills, three, four thousand people. Monterey City's three, four thousand people. And all these towns had their own not just sports rivalry, but town rivalry. So yeah. in the summertime, there would be number of occasions where thirty or forty people from one town would pile into cars and drive to another town and fight thirty to forty people from that other. <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> so you're having like miniature civil wars it was like, <laughs> yeah it was like the game that like the game oh. risk but in yeah. real life it's yeah. just, oh, sounds it, like a lot of toxic masculinity like the, the happy yeah. mccoys <laughs> there was well of course there was so many microaggressions going on oh i could imagine so yeah <laughs> Oh, Did good. you look at me? You want to fight? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. 
That's what I, I almost got beat up when I was in seventh grade one time because I walked into a school dance and it was like the movies. It was all the boys sitting on one side looking mean, all the girls all... on one side being like, what's happening? And I walked in and I just went, I looked at my friends and I went like, what is this? <laughs> and just from doing this, they're like, oh, this guy walking in, like he's got all the ass. Get out. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> and you're not even wearing camouflage shorts, which like that. You, if you didn't wear camouflage shorts, I couldn't afford them to the dads. You were going <laughs> just for that. Oh, wow. There's a <laughs> lot of working class people in the area. Oh yeah, it is blue collar. <laughs> is blue collar the biggest? Uh, the biggest. The biggest industry in town is a pierogi factory. Um, nice. I worked. I spent a summer there. It was a blast. Um, I worked the night shift. I worked four p.m. to two a.m. The pierogi factory for a nice. while. How old would you do there? I did the simplest things you could possibly do. <laughs> <laughs> I literally stacked boxes for ten hours a night because no one trusted me to even put saran wrap around the <laughs> Watch it. Uh, listen, just uh, don't go near the pierogies. Yeah, uh, we're gonna stack these boxes. Even know what a pierogi's <laughs> full of potato or not? Uh, we know how you Chris's are. Why don't you come yeah. over here and stack some boxes for us? Yeah. <laughs> how How old were you? I was twenty. Forty two. I was yeah. <laughs> I was thirty six years old. That's, a, that's, a, that's his second job. He's a lawyer, yeah. comedian, and a pierogi box and guy. a pierogi specialist. I don't want to give it away. Yeah. <laughs> I worked there too, by the way. I just, yeah. I was like, I used to do a a routine there, a little comedy routine when I worked there, and this guy stole it from me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's true, though. It's, uh, it's, uh, oh, oh, really, <laughs> Chris? Look at this, man. You got the, the thumb club, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you You'll have to do that later for those who don't know. Oh, yeah. oh, Philly Chris, we're built. Is that Philly <laughs> Chris? We're built like thumbs. We're yeah. black like thumbs. Look uh, at us. Oh, we got an audience here. They're chiming in now. It is. It's, it's from us all working together. You Look know, at us. Oh, between me and Philly Chris, we're six thumbs if you count. <laughs> That's actually the the secret password to get into the pierogi factory. Exactly, you stick yeah. up your thumb and, and make it. Yeah, it's also a, that's right. It's also and, and you know, everybody who's in their car listening to the to the radio right now and listening to the show is saying, "What the heck are they talking about?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, We're all bending our selling... thumbs backwards. You really have to check out the YouTube yeah. version. If We've you're got the hitchhiker thumbs, folks. Exactly. Yeah. It is a weird. How, how many people have you guys met that have that? Not too many. Very right? few. My older yeah, yeah, yeah. brother. I know one woman in San Luis Obispo that has it because when I do that, when I do that at a show, I'll meet people that go me too, and so I will. <laughs> that, that's not a joke. Oh no, that's not, that's that's bad news, bro. I have a really good... <laughs> you, might, you might want to talk to a lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have a really good picture of this friend of mine. She's a comedian, and she she no. did the I did the thumb upside down. She did the thumb right side up. So we yin yanged each other. For Lib- Liberty was asking us to explain why I did that. Oh yeah, or you did yeah, a thumb. Yeah. So you got a thumb joke, right? I do. I've I've got a thumb joke. I've got this long. So my closing bit's about eleven minutes long, but it's basically I'm talking about um, I'm talking about people thinking too highly of themselves because I'm from a small town where like a big fish in a small pond. Uh-huh. Uh, and I open the joke by talking about like the valedictorian in my school still brags about being the valedictorian in my school, um, and 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 it was eighty two kids in my graduating class, and we were all, it's also two thousand four. We were no child left behind kids. Which, <laughs> on 
on hearing that, the millennials so, all laugh because I say. So that when was... are you going to stop bragging about being the valedictorian? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's, yeah, I was. I was number ten. I was ten of eighty-two. You know, it's not a good look for you to say <laughs> this valedictorian wasn't that smart. But <laughs> Mikey, I was number ten out of eighty-two. I didn't use a calculator until my sophomore year of college. That's that's how oh, wow. out of school. Awesome. Yeah. But I do this bit about it's the ending bit is about two separate people that I met within one hour that had one leg and one right. of them's really talented and humble and one of them was not talented and very cocky. And so before I get into that, I say like I, I talk about the one I say, hey, we've all got we've all got things that are a little bit strange about it, but you got to give people a second to adjust to adjust. And when I do that, I go like, look, like I could do this right here. And whenever I do that, the crowd goes, and I'm like, oh, that's okay. I, I know you didn't expect to expect that. And so I'll walk. And that's how I that's how I soften up to talk about the whole one-legged thing for 10 minutes. Okay. Well, one day you're going to be playing Madison Square Garden. People are going to be showing up expecting the thumb bit. They say, oh, yeah, we're going to see the, the guy with the thumb <laughs> joke, that guy. Yeah. we got to go see that guy. we got to go see that guy. We're going to need a thumb tonight. Yeah, you can, put a, <laughs> you can put a quarter on it. But then what happens when everybody in the world wants to come see you do the thumb joke? Then, I know. Then does it kind of lose its luster? that because the whole point is that you didn't know that I was going to do this and what if I become the thumb guy what if I become a prisoner to my own thumb what if I... <laughs> <laughs> listeners please do not listeners please do not create an Instagram for my thumb that gets bigger than me please yes <laughs> you get, get ratioed by the thumb Instagram I, op- <laughs> I'm, I'm, I open for my own thumb five <laughs> I got out of handcuffs with mine a few times. You know, uh, we we <laughs> talked about me possibly representing you, Chris, but it's a conflict of interest. I already signed up your thumb. And <laughs> <laughs> Can't hey, do it now. You pull be my thumb in a separate room and you go, look, it's time we go solo. And this guy... <laughs> <laughs> we there's should take this on the road. Here, yeah. you know? <laughs> there's a lot of base. There's a lot of beige, vaguely brown guys we can use as base for this poem. <laughs> you don't need him. He needs you. <laughs> We're going to hitchhike together across the country. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> That's why my tour bus is right. hitchhiking on the other comedians' floor buses. <laughs> <laughs> You got any jokes I can steal? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, when you were growing up there, you said your brother went to a different high school. How come you didn't end up at that high school? Well, I was, uh, Papa's a rolling stone, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> my mom, many, my mom many was fights number, at the bar. My mom was number two of three. So I've got, uh, wow. I've got seven siblings and I'm an only child at the same time. So you, you figure, oh, wow. yeah, figure that one out. So he was. He's five years older than me, so so he went to a school that was in the district where his mother was, and then I'm the only one in my family that went to Shenandoah, which is like the the rugged, hard scrabble town of the area. And I was the softest, scrawniest, sweetest boy of them all, so I probably needed it. But boy, uh-huh. it, was long, it was a long adolescence. And is there a big difference in ages between all of you? Oh yeah. So my oldest, so I just turned thirty-seven two days ago. Um, happy birthday. I, right, uh, hey now, give him a hey, hey now, now, happy birthday. Hey, hey, now. hey now, happy birthday. Hey now. Welcome to 37. Here's how old 37 is. I spent, it was 3 p.m. before I realized I was not 38 years old. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got That's a whole year true. back, man. Whole what year back. I know, it felt good. But yeah. I, I just started a new job last September. I told my whole office I was 38. And at 3 p.m., I texted my girlfriend. I said, honey, I'm, I, Am I 37? <laughs> <laughs> 
Did you pull the calculator out for that? Even one? that, I was like, I was, I went to Shenandoah. <laughs> he was topping his class. Yeah. Said, we, 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 <laughs> we went to law school because we're bad at math. That's what I said. Yeah, we didn't go to math school. Yeah. yeah. What's the Fibonacci sequence? <laughs> no. So you're thir- So we've established that you're 37. How old is the oldest? Oh yeah, my so my oldest, my my older brother is 41, about to turn 42. He's old. And my youngest. So you don't brother. know how old you are, but you know how old these other siblings are. <laughs> That's a good sibling, though. Yeah, yeah. He's 41, and then my youngest sibling is 17. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, Pop still has it. Still got bullets in the chamber. Yeah, no pop. <laughs> hey, uh, De Niro just had a kid, didn't he? Ben. Is that right? I heard that. I think uh, it was yeah. Robert De Niro. Well, it's allegedly De Niro's. It's probably really flail, though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to check the thumbs. Yeah, so we have to check the thumbs. That, that kid comes out with a Crackford thumb. <laughs> it's a dead giveaway. <laughs> always check the thumbs. Yeah, always so, check the thumbs. So, did, did any of your other siblings end up moving out of Pennsylvania, or are they still back no, in Pennsylvania? Everybody's there. It's funny when I moved to Harrisburg, which is is exactly an hour due south. It's an, I mean, door to door, it was an hour from uh, my dad's house to the apartment that I moved into. And when I moved there, everybody in my hometown was like, wow, you're brave for moving away from home. Like it's, mm, wow. you stay close by. And then Tulsa, like much further. And then California, even further than that. So it's- You it's can be easy. in Japan in a couple of years, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be in Hawaii by next time we talk. Nice. <laughs> so- did you end up going to Harrisburg before college or after college? After college. After college, I got a job uh, as a manager trainee at Sears because I work at, throughout school, I worked at Sears selling TVs. So I, this training program was based in Harrisburg. And so that's mm-hmm. when I, I moved down there briefly, moved back home to take a job at this strange uh, kind of like not timeshare, but like investment property at a ski resort. Glen Gary, Glen Ross style salesman job. Nice, <laughs> nice. And I just felt too, I couldn't wash the grossness off of me after six weeks enough. And so I went back to Harrisburg to work at Verizon Wireless and then went to Bed Bath and Beyond, not bragging. And then <laughs> long. Uh, God rest their soul, right? And then I miss, I, I miss being able to get the Beyond. I could get yeah, the Beyond is gone. <laughs> it's gone. It's all gone. I, I jokingly say this, but there's a, there's a significant portion of truth to it. I went to law school to avoid having to do the presentation on the bridal registries and curtains at Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> How can I get out of this? That's awesome. You're, they build this up under so much pressure of like, if you mess up curtains, you're, yeah, I mean, you're fired. <laughs> curtains are like the, it's the big deal. And I was like, I got to do, I got to do something. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, the jury. Let me tell I you, I became a lawyer because bed wrapping beyond curtains was too hard. <laughs> no wonder why they went out of business. Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. How, how do you sell the curtains around here? Simplify, <laughs> will you? I read cheese. Cheese. Like Wolf of Wall Street for curtains. Right. <laughs> hey, I'm short. I, I'm short on six curtains here. <laughs> Coffee's for clothes. Is anybody going to have? I went long on bath mats in the whole industry tank. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Did you play any sports in high school? I did. So briefly, I played football till I realized I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna become more than 135 pounds for a long time. Mm. Um, and so I stopped that early on, and then I I was a basketball guy. So I cut out all the sports junior, senior year, of high school, and I was. I thought I was king basketball, but again, I was in a school of 82 kids, so <laughs> somebody had to do it. right. Uh-huh. Um, and that was my that was the first thing that broke my heart. Actually, I thought I was gonna play. Uh, I thought I was going to go to North Carolina to play basketball and become a Chicago Bull like every like like every suburban kid uh, <laughs> that mistakenly thinks he's going to. And then somewhere, I mean, I did not play college basketball. And somewhere around 24, 25, it really sunk in that I was not going to be on the Lakers. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's still time, Chris. Uh, was that around the time you were at Bed Bath & Beyond? <laughs> it was... <laughs> It was my it was my second year of law school, not the first one, because, not the first one because we won the intramural basketball championships. Not bragging, uh-huh. but hey, you're it in your law school year. and everybody's like, yeah, "What are you going to do after law school? I'm going to play basketball." <laughs> what, what do you think? Way to get the call. Do you guys know who I am? Yeah, it was my second year of law school when I was getting dusted by teenagers, you know, yeah. who were just communications majors, just hanging out and playing frisbee golf. That I realized. <laughs> Did you see that guy with the thumbs? He can't even hold the ball. <laughs> I was getting beat. I was getting bucked on by country club kids in Tulsa, and I was like, "All right, I think this is where it ends." Yeah. <laughs> Could you dunk too? I used to be able to. Wow. I might be able to dunk right now, but I would I would not walk again for the rest of the year. <laughs> it's no it small feat. It's no small feat. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. I I I dunked for the first time. It's weird. I've always had like always had mental strange mental blocks and inconsistencies. So the first time I dunked a basketball, I was like 15, 16 years old. Uh, but I couldn't dunk a basketball like at my school in an organized game, warm ups or anything. Until after my senior season was over, I played in this North-South All-Star game. And in warm-ups, I could dunk like nothing. And mm-hmm. then as soon as they blew the whistle, I don't think I could have touched the back. It was like this weird, oh, this yeah. weird, I've always considered myself a pressure performer, but there's also this thing, Liberty's got mental blocks too. I love it. There's always this weird thing when I get in my own, when I get in my own head, it's over. I don't know what it is, but it's always uh, it, it's always been a strange thing with me. So I could dunk at an early age, but I got to be in the right mindset for it. Yeah, you've got interesting perspectives on mental blocks and things that are on the inside. Maybe not mental blocks specifically, um, but the inner psyche of people. Because I've seen you do this in jokes a couple of times. For example, that video you did about trying to go to sleep. You want to tell voice. people a little bit about that. Yeah, so I've got a like a lot of people. When I lay down to go to bed at night, the wheels just start turning in the brain, and they okay. start just to any to spiral out on anything. And and so I made a sketch out of it. And one of the parts of the sketch, I I'm whispering to myself. I'm I'm in bed trying to sleep, and then it cuts to me whispering in my own ear, saying one of the things that I said was, "Hey, you remember remember that remember that guy you you hurt his feelings in in third grade." <laughs> <laughs> God, I bet that wow. ruined his life. <laughs> and that comes from a real story where I, my my mom and I moved from one town to another when I was in third grade, and I started going to Frackville Elementary School, and I was in lunch class. And after lunch, 
the teacher would have us all line up to go back to our classroom. So I was the first one done lunch. So she put me in line. There was no one else behind me. And I had my little boy's lunchbox with me. And I was just being, a, I was a happy-go-lucky little boy, just swinging my lunchbox back and forth. And then the teacher walked up and tapped me on the shoulder and said, excuse me, do you want me to put you in detention? And I said, I, I was like, what? I was already a scared kid. I was like, what? What? Why? She's like, do you see what you've done to him? I was like, what? And I turned around and this kid I went to school with, his name was Brandon Engel, was on two knees behind me because I had no idea they lined him up behind me. And for a good 45 seconds, I was just blasting this kid with a lunchbox. <laughs> oh, no. I had no idea. Now, now, do I look him up on Facebook every four months? Yes. <laughs> Does he have to wear like the yeah. Phantom of the Opera thing because his face is so disfigured <laughs> right. from you beating him with a lunchbox? <laughs> now, he's having a great life. But there's a, there's a portion of the back of my brain that goes, I wonder how many spider webs he had to dig through in therapy to get past me hitting him with that lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't get it out. I think about Brandon every 90 days. And Go Brandon. <laughs> how bad was he hurt? He was fine. He was, he was, he was, I was not a power, I was not a powerful kid. He, he got through it, but <laughs> probably made him stronger. What, what do you yeah. think that is? I, I've also heard you say on, I think it was on your own podcast about how you have this loop that goes on in your head of like the greatest hits of the worst things you've ever done. And that really resonated with me because I, I had the same thing it, really all the time, all the time. Yeah. And I don't know. What, I, I think that hey. more people feel like that than you know. Yeah. And that's why I'm glad that you you say a lot of this stuff about you know the inner psyche because I think a lot of people can relate relate to it, but not necessarily going to be going out there saying this stuff out loud. You look like a nut job, right? Yes. So. Well, wait, that's exactly right. <laughs> what do you think it is that does that with you? I don't know. It's funny you mentioned that. I I grew up really scared and nervous all the time, partly from being in that town, partly from you know I was a latchkey kid, so I was like, I'm working on a bit about this right now. Is is be I. I'm starting to, I don't have it figured out yet, but I start by asking the crowd, if I show a hand, who, who I, I say, I suffer from anxiety, who else in here? And I say, by, by show of extremely shaky hands, who has anxiety? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then when people raise their hand, when people raise their hand, I go, how messed up would it be if I pointed you out right now and said, give me your name and a fun fact right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you got to do that. Die. I'd rather die than give a fun fact any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't know what it is. I just, I just, our, my guard mutual friend told me this, that, and I didn't know this. I read in, in some article, they said that there's like half the population doesn't have an inner voice at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, I think we talked about that on the show one time. Maybe it was when you were on last time. I forgot. I would but... love to take a vacation yeah, inside of that brain. Right. Yeah. Just, if they're not doing a task, there's like nothing going on. Just the They're supposed to be really good workers. It's true. Wow. But I'm surprised yeah. that you I'm surprised Jeez. that you suffer from that, Mike, Throw because you're one of the people yeah. I admire most. Like we were I've still not I still don't know I'm good at anything, including comedy. Um and like you took this we were in law school and you one years, two years in, you're like, I'm going to be a Second Amendment and constitutional lawyer and I'm gonna start my own practice in the Northeast. And I'm just going to do that. You didn't get internships in Pennsylvania or New Jersey, where you could get a foot in the door and work your way through. You graduated, you went up there, you figured it out. And then eight months later, you just did, you've got a business, you're on the same network as Ben Shapiro now. And you just, you just did it. I have no idea 
I would never have guessed that you have all that stuff going on because you're the one that the rest of us in our in our text thread that I hope to God never gets uncovered. <laughs> Next week on Mike G in the morning, no, Mike's text thread. Hey, if there's no, if there's no text thumbs up. Thread, there's no text thread. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. Yeah, <laughs> this guy just I, like I've been, I've been played safe, Nancy, this whole way, and I still wake up going like, when's it all going to come to an end? It's <laughs> <laughs> incredible. So to hear that you type that real in your head is very surprising. Uh, yeah, I, I, you said that. Uh, you're surprised that I suffer from it. I, I don't know that I, I wouldn't get carried away and call it suffering or anything, but I I definitely think too often, probably too often, I'd say, about those kinds of things. Like the guy I, uh, I railroaded at Little League practice <laughs> <laughs> and, and had to ride home on his bicycle. <laughs> like stuff like that, you know? Which, uh, you know, if if you're a psychopath, and you do bad things and you never think about it ever again, that's probably not good. Sure. So I think well, that there are probably more people than we know who would do that. They're just not saying it out loud. No. And to be fair, and Joe Biden. <laughs> and to be fair, Mike, you told me that story and you were much younger when that happened. You were 29 and that, you know. <laughs> well, they shouldn't have invited me to play at Little League. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Speaking of speaking of Papa Joe, have we have you discussed the CNN town hall yet? Oh my God, I uh, haven't yeah. seen it yet, but I've seen uh, some of it. The Ooh. Trump CNN town hall. Trump CNN town hall, man. Wow. Yeah, I've seen. I wanna, I've only seen, seen clips. Either. I've got it taped. I was going to watch Sweet. it uh, when we're done over here. So uh, I don't have too too much to say about it. I, look I think forward the, to the trial is pretty interesting because that came out this week too. The verdict on that civil trial. Oh, and, yeah. you know, from a lawyer's perspective, here's what that verdict tells me. And I hope I'm not go crossing any lines for your comedy career or anything like that, talking about politics in this. But just list, I'm just listening. Just from listing. a lawyer's perspective, here's <laughs> what that verdict tells me. The, the verdict was, if you haven't heard, it's a civil trial. This lady, Suze Trump, says that he raped her in a department store around 40 years ago doesn't remember what year or what month or anything like that but he definitely her account is that he definitely raped her in a department store where nobody else was around and um you know a lot of stuff wasn't adding up we'll just put it that so she comes out she's able to sue him over this and when the verdict came back it's what rich roberts uh, from my office would call an i hate your face verdict he, he talks about the i hate your face verdict where uh the person may have not done what they're being accused of, but the jury can't stand the person, so they'll come up with something. Yeah. And the reason I say that is they found they did not find him liable for rape, but they found him liable for um, some kind of sexual assault. I see. And somebody in the comments, Michael Clay, says statute of limitations. There are actually statutes that have been put into place fairly recently in different parts of the country, extending, if not waiving, the statute of limitations for these kinds of claims. Uh, so that's how they ended up getting into court. So... Ultimately, with them finding not liable on rape, but liable on this sexual assault, in order to do that, if you were to draw this through a logical conclusion, you'd have to say, the jury would have to say, we think you're totally making it up about the rapes, right? Because keep in mind, this is a preponderance of the evidence standard. This is not wow. a criminal case. This is not this beyond is... a reasonable doubt. Yeah. This is 50.00001%. This is more likely than not. Sure. It's a very, uh, relatively low standard. We think you're totally full of it on the rape thing. 
But uh, yeah, he probably did something along the lines of I, I don't know. He did something somewhere along. I've seen the way. him be a creep before. I can I can take myself there. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> that, that's what they would have had to logically conclude in order to get there. I don't think that's it. I think they probably didn't believe her, but they don't like Trump so much that they, you know, we can't stand this guy. And this is what we're going to come up with: take five million bucks, uh, everybody go home. So we'll see what happens on appeal, uh, but. I- you know, it's I never love, good as an attorney to have a client that the jury doesn't like. I love the phrase. I love that phrase. The I, and I hate your face verdict. Have you ever? Have you ever had? Have you ever had a? I get. Well, I guess I shouldn't ask you that. <laughs> What's that? I was going to ask right. if you ever had a client that just had a hateable face or demeanor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably me. Uh, <laughs> I think I represented tra- Chris on a traffic ticket one. Yeah, time. that's right. I remember that. the judge is like, "What's with that guy's face? What's with that yeah. guy's face? His face is terrible." Yep. <laughs> I had a teacher in high school tell me that I should wear a paper bag over my face, my head when I come to school because he didn't yep. like my face. Yeah, you so had really teaching. said that to you. I, I had a teacher who said that. What's his wow. name, Mike? His name was Mr. Latori. I'm going to find him. Uh, Mr. Latori ended up uh, retiring early, we'll call it. I huh. think it was. Retiring early, maybe. That's uh, a horrible thing to he say. Wasn't right. He didn't finish up. So I ended up making his life absolutely miserable <laughs> for the rest of the year. Because he said this on like the first day. I didn't know me from a hole in the wall. I get into class. That's what he says. We're in high school. Said, put a bag over your face. Was yeah. he trying to joke and it he, just he fell starts flat like or? laughing when he's looking at me and and he had been known to say some very strange things. He was known as being kind of a strange guy. That's but very weird. Man. He he's just laughing when he's looking at me and I said, "What grade what, were you in?" Uh, as sophomore, or junior, high school. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah. You were you were thirty two. That's why I didn't like your face. You had a beard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He felt oh, threat. Yeah. He yeah, felt yeah. threat. You were you were still six three. You, yeah. you looked like Casey Jones from the Ninja Turtles. You... This <laughs> <laughs> is Latori saw you at parent teacher nights. He's like, "How you doing? How you doing?" <laughs> I have a feeling there was no Mrs. Latori, but yeah, he just he. For whatever reason he did that, I made his life miserable for the next couple of months. Yeah. I got sent to the the dean's office, I think, eleven times in one marking period in his life. Nice, <laughs> nice man. That's an accomplishment. How, how, where are we talking about this? Because of the hateable face, the I hate your the face. He yeah. hated my yeah. face. He I have definitely a weird, hated my face. I have a That's weird, weird teacher story that I never even thought about. That I'm trying to figure out what to do with. I'm trying to figure out whether it's a bit or whether it's just something for therapy. One of these. <laughs> <laughs> I had a. Oh, I had a. I had a sixth grade teacher, and I used to tell this story. This was sixth grade, and this so this would have been what nineteen ninety eight, somewhere around there. In our Christmas recital, um, in our entire grade, there were maybe like forty or fifty boys, forty or fifty girls. He had about so they the girls all went out and sang Santa Baby, and then after the girls sang Santa Baby, he had like thirty five or forty of us boys dress up in wigs and dresses and also sing Santa Baby, like competing with that. And I I have this picture somewhere and I used to tell the story of like, I remember, I remember we all dressed up one time as a goof and sang Santa Baby. And then at one point I went, wait a minute, like we were a poor school. We didn't have a budget. Why did this guy have 37 pageant dresses just ready to go? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> We yeah, choreographed that's a... for like 12 weeks. 
I had to be like, dressed up like that in this classroom and say, what happened with that? Why yeah, didn't anybody these... say anything? I got these dresses at home, boys. Yeah. This teacher crazy. used to smoke cigarettes like in the closet of this, allegedly in the closet of this classroom. <laughs> Another thing with that video you're talking about, Chris, where you're going to bed and your brain's talking to you. You said something along the lines of can frogs smell and then you've got to go and research this in the middle of the night because <laughs> it's going to drive you nuts, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I was can thinking they? about that and that's something that's got to be relatively new to our generation because if you think about you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you might have a crazy thought like that pop into your head. Maybe it would bother you a little bit, but you're certainly not going to get up and like look in the encyclopedia or something like that. Oh, I did that all the time back yeah. in the 40s. Yeah. <laughs> you you broke out the candles. You lit yeah, yeah. a candle. <laughs> yeah. Did you and ever consider you just, that? Now you just do it by reflex. And yeah. You yeah. have to, when you when you have a question now, you have to know the answer. Um, well, sometimes I'll call Mike at four in the morning. I'll be like, hey, uh, are you up? <laughs> and he's well, come through. I got, a, I got a question while he does come through. That, that yeah. can't be healthy for us, right, Chris? No, not think? at all. Yeah. And then, and especially if you've got some anxiety, it just kickstarts everything. So the end of that sketch is a very real thing. Where at the end, I whisper to myself, "Did you? Are you sure you locked the door?" And, <laughs> and I go, "Yes." And they go, and I said, "But, but did you?" And I go, "Yes." Mm. And I go, "But." But did you? <laughs> Maybe and you should I, check. And it, and I got to go like, mm-hmm. you never really know. And, and so after you go through that whole wave of, you know, all the, every bad deed you've ever done, every weird thought you've ever had, everything that you've got to do tomorrow. What did that guy, like, what did your, what did your, you know, significant other mean when they said that? Like, what does that, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You're about to have an argument, you know, from two days ago. And then at the end, it always goes to, is everything okay? Am I okay? Did I, did I just hear something? <laughs> it's like, it's all. Well, so, so there's actually a deeper meaning to all of it because there is a, a progression. Oh, yeah. you're saying. Oh, yeah. Right. And it, it just continues to feed itself. And then the end of the sketch is me, my physical self. I get up to go check the door. And I look back to grab my inner voice to come with me, and he's asleep. Uh, <laughs> that's and good. I, I walk out of the room all frustrated, and when I walk out, the inner voice picks his head back up and smiles and puts his thumb up like ah, Eric <laughs> <laughs> got him. Uh, it's like we nice. play this. We're all so okay that we play this game with ourselves. Yeah, all the time. Sure. And I don't. I don't know how to stop it. Which I used to think meant I was smart. But now I think it means the opposite. I've talked about this on stage before too. It's like be like you're not smart because you can't stop intrusive thoughts. It would be like if I told you I got to run outside because I don't know how to stop my car, Philly Chris, you would be like, "Wow, he must be a great driver." <laughs> <laughs> top, top driver I know. I don't know how to turn it all. You all. <laughs> like, I'm gonna lock the door. That's now. A, this is actually a pretty good point. If, if yeah, everybody's around, I'd like to bring her in this because she's got an edu- formal education in psychology. Um, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, the the last thing he's talking about is an OCD rather than anxiety. No, Elma, can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you. Oh, uh, actually, one way to combat that a type of CBT. I am not licensed, um, but I just had my core credits and my masters, but. No. Um, and something I've learned is you, you kind of like, you don't give the thoughts any value. Yeah. You don't give them any, you don't make them 
alert you, but you also don't minimize them. You just kind of notice that they're there and you say, oh, hey, there you are. I thought, um, okay, cool. Yeah, you, you go hang out and I'm going to continue doing, doing what I'm doing. And you kind of doing that and it takes away the urgency of the thought because the more you try, think of it this way, the more you try to say, don't think of a pink elephant, don't think of a pink elephant, the more you're going to think of a pink elephant, right? Yeah. So the more you're, you alert your brain that it's a dangerous thought, the more it's going to come at you. So you yeah. kind of just notice it there and say, oh, there's that thought again. Cool. How you doing? I'm going to continue with my day anyway. If that makes any sense. Just watch it go by. I'm going to try it. What if he really left the door unlocked, though, Liberty? <laughs> Did he? <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Did he? Yeah. Man, man, yeah. And the news story the next day says, man trampled by pink elephant. <laughs> yeah. uh, so what? how many people approach you after something like that and say, yeah, man, you hit right on the nose. You know, That's nobody's funny. saying this. That's funny you mention that because that video is one of my, as far as numbers go, is one of my least interacted videos. Like it, like no as way. far as no, like clicks and views go, it's one of the lowest. Yeah. It's the one that people most reach out about. And go, that's exactly that's exactly what I have going on. It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, that's wild. Have you had that your whole life? Oh yeah, oh yeah, all all the time. And also the break-in scenario. I like. I, ooh, this could. What's be that? A, yeah, we want to hear that. When I was so when I was seven years old. My mother and I lived in an apartment in Shenandoah and my my bedroom was in the back of the house and it had a door that led outside. And I used to, it's a small town, so you'd hear people walk through the alleyways, stumble home from the bar or whatever, and I would hear people talk out there and it sounded yeah. like they were about to come in the house. So maybe that's it. <laughs> maybe that's Maybe that's it. Liberty, do you have any that. thoughts on that? Is that? Look at us making breakthroughs. Liberty? Look at this. <laughs> this yeah. was impressive, yeah. Actually, well, it, uh, the fact that you have that kind of um, mind means is probably exactly why you're good at comedy. It's exactly why I'm good at music. Um, it's because people who create that way think of like normal minds um, are like here to hear. Like this is normal thoughts. Like think yeah. of like a ruler. Yeah. But with creative minds, they go outside those boundaries. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, but he got that way because of some kind of a traumatic experience, it sounds that's, like. That's <laughs> Maybe your mom knew what she was doing. She was like paying homeless guys like, hey, here's 10 bucks. Oh, out here, make it really sound. I want this kid to be something. I want him to get out of Rackville. Yeah, I want I him out of County. He's gonna. My boy is going to go to Hollywood someday. Yeah. And just, so what I need you to do is really rattle him up. That's right. Be She's outside putting on a ski mask, and my dad's like, "What are you doing?" She goes, "I'm making that kid a star." Let <laughs> <laughs> put a smile on that face. Yeah. Oh, um, we don't want some normal, boring, Dracula accountant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the time we got for today. Stick around for we, the people, the Constitution matters. Pastor David Whitney, Professor Philadelphia, and I'll be joining as your legal analyst. We miss you, Ellie. Daddy loves you. <laughs> <laughs>